When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Facebook Live Q&A where we go in on the things you guys want to talk about, which is certainly my favorite thing. I absolutely love doing these. So Thank come you. armed with the questions that are going to transform us all. That is, I think, everybody's goal. So welcome. Welcome, welcome everybody. Yeah, buddy. All right. Um, so I might kick it off with one that came in last time. Okay. So this one comes from Joshua Martell. Yeah. So has everybody noticed? So Joshua Martell is, is old school. Um, he's been with us forever since back when we were inside Quest. And uh, do you guys see that he's like started a business? No. Yeah. Like doing his art. His art is oh, so shit. legit. It yeah, is so legit. No, like you guys need to go check legit. it out. I think it's called Pop 3D Art. It's some variation oh, of those words. Is. Okay. I um, think it's, is it 3D Pop? No. Art? It's a variation I, like, on those yeah. words. But check it out. He creates them by hand. They're amazing. He's actually done time-lapse videos of him creating them. They're phenomenal. Uh, if you guys, he, uh, I know that he loves Dragon Ball Z. I think he's doing most of this on the DL. I don't think he's got um, yeah, like, licenses yet, but... Uh, like fan art, man. It should be yeah. it should be open. In fact, I'm telling you right now, fans, when we launch our first stuff, uh, if you guys want to work with us, we're going to be the easiest company ever to get a license from. So come get licensed so that you can make some dosh off of making impact theory stuff. That would be rad. Yeah. You're hearing the commitment right here, right now. Let's we do will it. be there. Will be no company easier to get a license from than us. Uh, we just need to know that your stuff is going to be empowering. That's basically yeah. uh, our thing. Um, and we can all we can all profit, man. That's where I'm coming from. I'm telling you, a change is about to happen, largely because we're going to force it to happen. But um, yeah, <laughs> shit's baby. about to get real. All right. So this is his question. Yeah. Um, he's noticed that you always wear a dog tag. Yeah. So he wants to know: um, A, do you always wear that? And what's the significance of it? I was just thinking about that because so, someone asked me this question once before and I put on one of my ones that are that are purely style today instead of one of the ones that actually means something. So my goal and so scratch your own itch, right? Part of the reason that we're getting into the merchandising game is I don't have the ability to have nice things and have things that reinforce my ideology. So um, for instance, one of my favorite, in fact, my favorite necklace is the Star Wars Rebel Alliance necklace. I have looked high and low for a quality matrix necklace. They don't exist. Um, I like to rep what I believe. I want my shirts to say something. I love that like when Lisa and I went to do the special Valentine's Day episode of Impact Theory that she was waiting to see like what shirt will he choose, right? Because I try to choose a shirt that means like something, yeah. it's outreach, it's connection between me and the guest. Um, and I love that. And I 
think that that's something that we'll be able to help more and more people do. Um, but people are usually choosing between something that's nice um, and because the, basically here's the problem. People only mass produce generic stuff. So the, the disruption comes when you don't have to mass produce it. And that mm-hmm. is the key. And that's why, once again, dear community, I will put it out there. We are looking for ultra high quality direct-to-garment printing. We are going to disrupt the fucking t-shirt game. Uh, but the only way it's going to happen is if we do that. So we need ultra high quality yes, direct-to-garment please. printing. Um, I'm not worried about speed. I am worried about quality quality so yeah so some of my necklaces are pure fashion and some of them are deep and meaningful and i would like more to be deep and meaningful but they don't exist so we have one? to make them uh the black one is um is is fashion sadly fashion. yeah oh. pure fashion i'm telling you, you one just, a lot because so much of what i wear is like is, dark mm-hmm. um yeah so i actually have like if you really pay attention um, you can tell which one I'll wear based on what the t-shirt is. But if you guys are just joining us or if you're new to our universe, we want to tell you who we are. Um, we are Impact Theory. We know we got a lot of new people from Mel Robbins' episode, which is utterly astonishing. That woman is a it. beast. And that was one of those, man, on set, everybody was like, all right, well, that shit was electric. Yeah. Um, she just smashed it. And so we're super honored that you guys have decided to stick around. And our whole thing is to empower people with the tools that they need to go on and actually execute on their dreams. Execution is all that matters to us. That's what we're focused on. We're going to be helping people build businesses, helping people create content. We're trying to do it all community-based versus um, just going out and finding already seasoned entrepreneurs or um, already seasoned content creators. We'll get to that, and I think that will be a phase in our evolution. Uh, But for now, what we want to do is find the undiscovered gems and and help them build something. I felt like that's um, what happened to me, that uh, people took a chance on me, gave me a chance to learn, improve myself, and it changed everything about my life. So that's what impact theory is all about truth 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 i feel the same way all right i hope so since you're a key part of this whole equation that's true we'd be in real trouble she's like "Eh." (laughs) it's it's whatever whatever what all right guys make sure that you share this live feed um for a chance to win one of the books off tom's reading list the link is going to be in the comment section. And even if you don't want to win, like let's really talk about what we're doing here as a community. So here's the exchange that we're looking for. We are killing ourselves to create the best content available on the web for anybody who's trying to develop a growth mindset, empowering mindset, set of skills. Uh, we're creating content that you should be able to actually use in your life to execute against what your dreams are. We don't charge for anything. The only thing that we're asking is you guys help us build this community. We've spelled out on the website impacttheory.com exactly why we're building the community what phase two and phase three are so that you can feel good about what you're investing in but like as a community we we really really need your help we need you guys to help spread the word and get it out there Um, it's a critical part of this path and you guys could make that so much easier so our ask is if this content brings value to you only if it brings value to you but if it does bring value to you and you want to help sharing is the name of the game all we need is for you to share the content sharing is caring sharing is caring that's the motto okay so our next question sorry i lost it was comes from chris w in the comments have you considered having a guest perform one of their key skills with you and then deconstructing it during the show yes yeah that's it why haven't we because i (laughs) i don't like the idea you don't? I don't. 
it, it breaks the format of the show mm. and I could see like doing another show where we did that, but yeah. it's like, unless, cause here's the important part. What people would see is a falsehood because if you can actually show me how to do the skill in a short period of time, it's not a very interesting skill. It makes for better TV, but it's not an interesting <coughs> skill. If you could follow me and this is why the Tim Ferriss experiment, which was a TV show that he ultimately released on Apple TV was actually pretty interesting. At least then he was spending like a whole week with them. Mm -hmm. And so you could go a lot deeper. You could see the process. You could see him use hacks to try and condense the learning time down. But you're going to pick, like if, if somebody comes on the show and they want to show me one of their skills, they're going to pick some really small nugget of it that they think I can learn in like three minutes, mm. right? And so what it becomes is I embarrass myself. They teach me, because I'll be clumsy at it, right? I embarrass myself. They teach me some very small, um, uninteresting thing. I finally muscle through. You guys all go, wow, he did it. But what it really becomes is, is Tom willing to embarrass himself and... Um, you know, can this person pick some finite enough piece of their real skill um, to show something interesting? Now, on the other hand, doing something like a special episode with Vim Hoff, where he actually trains me to do mm. his techniques and um, I have to go deal with the cold, which is like a real thing for me, um, or spending more time with uh, Faraz Sahabi, learning more about jujitsu. Like if we had, we couldn't because he has so many famous people training at his gym, he wouldn't let us. We filmed a little bit, but he was like, if you can only see you in the frame. Mm. Um, and that was like hard because like George St. Pierre was there. Like and it was trying like, to like spar and like, yeah. What's, yeah, it was crazy. But like <laughs> doing things like that, that would be cool. It just gets expensive. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, look, we're, we're really trying to get this show, um, picked up, uh, by, you know, one of the mages. So if we can do that, then, you know, the budgets get a little bit different and maybe we could do something like that. It's a great idea. I just don't like the way that a normal interview format forces that to be cheesy. And I think there's real mm. power. True. True. All right. So, um, I have a couple book questions. Boom. So this one comes from Sue Beer. He wants to know if you've had a chance to read his book, The Difference. Um, Not yet. And but is he in the feed right now? Yeah, he's in the feed. You guys need to check this guy out. So I had somebody stalking me um, on, I think it was IG, just like, you've got to check this guy, Sabir, out. I'm telling you, he's amazing, yeah. he's amazing. And, and I just, I had never heard of him. Sorry, Sabir. And, um, so they finally, uh, they were so persistent and it wasn't him. It was like somebody else who was like, no, 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 this guy's amazing. You got to check him out. So finally I go check him out and I'm like, wow, this could be interesting. I pass it on to Christopher, um, Dr. Finesse and said, Hey, what do you think? And he was like, yeah, let's look into him and see what he's about. And so now Sabir has been kind enough to, um, send a copy of yeah. his book, which do it's we on have? The it's on the shelf. We have it. Okay. Yeah. So it's on the shelf. now it's just, it came here. now it is a matter of, um, discipline and, and getting, getting it in the rotation. Yeah. That's what it is. If it were an audiobook, I'd already be done, Sabir. If I could just make this your fault for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's all my fault, Sabir. Don't worry. It's all my fault. <laughs> it's there though. All right. Um My dad? Dad, what's up? My man. I love that. Well, what is up, Dad? My namesake. That love, is my father, the one and the only. In fact, I, I was it. with him when he took that photo that you just showed. Um, so, father of mine, That's welcome so to the awesome. feed. Yeah, I and I get to see my house. dad soon. It's his uh, his birthday's his seventieth birthday. What's the day today? His oh, my phone's oh, off. Today his seventieth birthday is coming up. Sixteenth. 
And, and can I just say that my dad, he is living the dream. Like so many people, they work their whole life to retire. They retire and then they just basically die. Uh, my dad did not do that. He worked his whole life to retire, retired and dude, like now it's like he is doing exactly what he's always wanted to do his whole life. So it's amazing. It's amazing to see somebody like know what they want, make it happen and like live every day um, doing what makes him happy. It. Yeah. Like, fuck it. Like this is, he likes cars, right? I hate cars. I feel bad for, I, I, even as a kid, I felt bad for my dad. Cause it's like, you have a son, you love cars. Your son's going to work on cars <laughs> with you. And your son is like, this shit is greasy and nasty. Like, I don't want anything to do with this. Like, I have no interest in my poor father. But now he gets to play with cars all day, every day. That's so cool. It is cool. Yeah. All right. So this one comes from Ali. Have you read the book Poor Charlie's Almanac? Uh, by Benjamin Franklin? I have not. Um, but assuming that I believe is the name of the one that uh, Benjamin Franklin wrote, I know of it, uh, but I've not read it. So there we go. But they cover it in his auto or not his autobiography, his biography um, by the guy that wrote. um, Oh, God. Isaacson. Isaacson. That's his name. I trailed off on my sentence. He wrote the Steve Jobs biography as well. Um, Something Isaacson. Okay. So I think we're just like on a book theme right now. I like it. So um, next up is from Eugenia. Um, can you mention your favorite transformational book? Also, why? And then the follow-up question from Eric is, what are the most influential books you've ever read? Yeah, so the most transformational book for other people, unfortunately, I had already gone through the vast majority of it um, and just had to figure it out before I read it, uh, is Mindset. That's the most important book in the English language, period. And I'm saying, like, as somebody who's going to write a book, I will still tell you, even when my book is done, Mindset is still going to be the most important book in the English language. Um, It just has to be. It is the most foundational. It's the thing that you just start there. Like, nothing else matters until you get that. The book that changed my life the most... um, there's one that would not have the same effect on other people, but since my dad is in the comments, I'll go ahead and mention it, which is The Gunslinger um, by Stephen King. And when I wanted to give up reading and I was utterly convinced that I just hated reading, reading wasn't for me, my dad said, I'm going to ask you to read one more book. If you read this and still don't like reading, I'll never bother you again. Um, and he gave me the book, The Gunslinger. And to this day, I remember the opening line, which is, The man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. And it just had me from that. Like, it was amazing. And read it, and of course, it becomes Stephen King's most cherished um, series. And I say cherished, I don't know if it's his best-selling, but it's his most cherished. Um, The one that he sort of sees is like the linchpin in his whole universe that he's created. Um, They're now making it into a movie starring Idris Elba and the guy from the Lincoln commercials. Matthew McConaughey, thank you. Um, so it, that's incredible. But so that book changed my life in the sense that I went from thinking I didn't like reading to realizing everyone likes to read. You just haven't found what you like reading yep. about. And so I liked reading about that. And I like Stephen King. And Stephen King Dream is why I want to get Stephen King on the show. I owe him a debt of gratitude. He sucked me into this universe of reading. And even though I was cripplingly slow at reading as a kid. And so as a freshman in high school, they tell you we would have this um, once a week. We had an hour to read in our English class. And they said, you should, you know, finish around 20 pages. I would finish, I'm not kidding, like four or five because no, that must be an exaggeration. It it would have been more than that. But I remember being like grossly off of the amount that they told us that we should read. 
because like I would get halfway down the page and I would start spacing out and oh, I have to go back, like I don't remember. Or I'd get almost to the bottom of the page and I'd be like, wait, what are they talking about? And so I'd have to go back up or I wouldn't know words. So it was like, ah, oh. but I so loved the stories that it was mm-hmm. worth fighting for. So, but it would take me, I remember when I read It, if you guys have seen It, oh yeah, God, I love that book. It. It's, it's so thick. <laughs> I'm almost certain the draft that I read, God, I wish I had it in my hands. I'm almost certain that it was 1,092 pages. And I read this almost 30 years ago, but because it left such an indelible mm-hmm. mark and took me over a year to read, I so had that page count in my head. I'd be curious to know if that's real or a false memory. Someone um, find out. But yeah, Drop that, it in the comments. But it'll be different by versions and stuff, so it might, okay. be, might be tough, but I think it was 1,092 pages. Um, so anyway, yep, my dad made me read that. That really did change the course of my life. And then, thanks, Dad, by the way. And I've told that story, Dad. You probably don't know this, but I've told that story hundreds of times. Uh, so you get mad props. Um, and then the book that really from an ideological perspective, not only had a huge impact on me, but has changed the flow of the river of my life is the power of myth by Joseph Campbell. Hmm. You do talk about that one a lot. Word. It's a good one. Sorry, I had to refresh my page so I could find these questions. No worries. All right. So next up, this one comes from Rizwan. How do I get over a negative people bringing you down? Yeah, I mean, so there are several ways and we'll deal with the easy one first and then we'll deal with a much harder scenario. So way number one, cut them out of your life. Simple as that's nice and easy, right? Very easy to do. Um, it's a little bit funny to me when if like if you write in the comments on IG, on Twitter, on um, YouTube, something that is... Um, constructive, even if it's critical, we'll leave it. But if you write something that is useless and just mean, like that shit is deleted. Like you got to prune your garden. So um, whenever you possibly can, you're going to cut people out. Now, there's going to be times where people you love, people that you want in your life, they're just, you're not willing to cut them out. They're going to be saying things that are negative. um, And you have to learn to um, recognize negativity for what it is, which is somebody else's fear, insecurity, whatever, holding them back. And so I try to meet that with compassion. Uh, so there've been many times in my life where somebody that I love and care about, um, they just, they can't see the vision or usually nine times out of 10, they're so terrified that something bad will happen to me that I'm going to fail. Um, and that they're worried about what that loss will do to me that they want to protect me from it, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the ways to protect you from it is to make sure that you never start it. Um, And so you just have to recognize that for what that is, which is their insecurity has nothing to do with me that I'm very prepared to lose and, you know, get back up and brush myself off and and keep going. Um, So knowing what to listen to and what not to listen to is a critical, critical skill to develop. True, definitely. All right, this next one comes from Tracy. Any thoughts on how to speak to a teenager about pursuing dreams outside of university? Um, I'd love some more clarification on the question. Like, are we talking about getting them to like, they're hell bent to go to school and we're not sure because financially it could be, um, so brutal. So I'll answer from that perspective until clarification comes in, (laughs) assuming that, um, or maybe here's an even better way to answer it. Um, going to school can be awesome and going to school is in no way necessary. So if you look at it from that perspective, that it really isn't, it's not a make or break anymore. And maybe it was, maybe there was a time uh, when it was. It certainly uh, wasn't for me as somebody who has hired, you know, well over a thousand people. Um, God, I don't think I 
ever really looked at education. I didn't look at resumes at all in the beginning. And then later I started to look at some things, looking for experience. Um, you know, as you grow, you really do need experience on your team. Um, otherwise, you just get a, a Lord of the Flies situation, uh, which is not great. Um, so you do have to start to look for experience. Um, but even then, I wasn't looking at education. I never once asked somebody what their GPA was. And it just doesn't matter. So from that perspective, here, here's the, the cold, hard truth. College doesn't matter because all anyone cares about is whether or not you're actually good at something. Because if you can make somebody money, they're going to hire you and nothing else matters. They will hire you regardless of race, religion, creed. Like if you're good enough, people will throw money at you. That's, that's the truth. And nobody wants to hear that, right? And I'm not, look, it may get harder given race, religion, creed, whatever, to like get your foot in the door, totally get it. But man, if you can prove that you can make money, people will bring you in. Like the hidden figures, right? Yeah. You had black women working for NASA back in the 60s? Yep. That's crazy. Like I couldn't believe that. I was literally like, what? That's amazing. Because they were able to execute at a ridiculously high level. You're trying to get to the fucking moon, you're going to take whatever you need. So get really, really good. Get so good, they can't deny you. That's, that's the moral of that story. Get so good they can't deny you. All right. This one comes from Ali. Are you ambitious and content at the same time? Um, and is that the best virtue? Um, no. No and no. So I am um, I'm wildly ambitious. I am never content. Okay. So this may come down to the definition of the word content, but I'm never content. I am never satisfied where I'm at. No matter what I have, no matter how much but I'm crazy grateful and I can see the beauty in everything and I don't need the material things. So none of that do I let get wrapped up in my identity. And that's where people get really, really in trouble. And this is why Stoic philosophy is so powerful because Stoic philosophy is a reminder that the trappings, all this stuff is, is meaningless and can't um, really, it's never going to make you feel good about who you are. Like that would be so fragile. If you um, pride yourself on money, your house, your car, your clothes, if you pride yourself on that stuff, you internally will feel like you're on thin ice. And that feeling to me is so shitty. That's why I had to learn, man, I will pride myself on what I can control. I can control the amount of effort I put into learning. Mm -hmm. Period. Period. Right? I can control that. So barring brain damage, as long as... I pride myself only on my willingness to put in the effort to learn and I look at my life on a long timeline, you can't assail me. You can't hurt me. You can come after me and this is what I talk about with an anti-fragile personality. You can come after me, you can tell me I'm dumb, right? Imagine that. I get that in the comments, this guy's a fucking idiot. And it's like, okay, well, I, if you're right and you're pointing out, maybe using harsh words, but if you're pointing out something that I actually am ignorant to, right? I just have a literal yeah. lack of knowledge. Well, then I can go get that knowledge. Now right. I'm grateful. Like the other day, I, I won't, I don't think you guys care. I'm what? about to learn a lesson here. And I okay. hope that I learn the lesson I want to learn. So um, Jared told me that I'm bad at operations, right? I had, I had asked for feedback, right? Mm -hmm. What am I not good at? And the, one of, your one of my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So he's couching, which makes me a little sad. Because I, what's that? Between weakness and bad at? Okay, fair enough. So I have a weakness in operations. And that to me was so spot on and was so useful that like I am, I am grateful for that feedback. So 
I'm grateful for it because I have built my self-esteem not around being good at operations, but being willing to learn, right? So if right. I decide, okay, I actually need to get, I need to de-weaken my operational strengthen. skills, strengthen, I think is the word <laughs> that we were looking for. Wow. Uh, yeah, strengthen, um, you know, my performance in the operation side, then I will. And I'll put that energy yeah. into it and I'll get good at it. And so... When you're in that kind of position, it's just not, it's not weak. So I'm never trying to be content because I think content just lulls you into like not pushing, not driving, not trying to be something. Um, and I think what is the greatest um, trait if it isn't being content? Being a learner, I mean, that feels like a knee jerk right now. I feel like I'm, um, I'm just taking the one that first comes to my mind and that upon further reflection, I might come up with something different, but, but it's strong. Be a learner, be a learner. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions, and I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing, and a big part of that strict diet is high-quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is off Offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. And that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're gonna have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. 
Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. Turn to my friend. Yeah, you still have more time to think about it. All right, so this one comes from your dad, actually. So um, he said he wishes he had this type of content when he was 20 instead of 70. So, A, listen up, young folks. Enough (laughs) of um, put all this stuff to the test. And are there any suggestions for us retired folks? to start like implementing mindset. Yeah, hundred percent. So dad, and, and this is utterly fascinating to have this kind of platform to say something that if we were just hanging out, would feel super fucking awkward. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot of time. You've got a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Like I am super optimistic. First, he's very healthy. So, um, dude, you could have 30 years. Like 30 years is a lifetime. 30, 30 years, it's unimaginable what you right. can do. So what do you want to do, right? Like what do you want to set your mind to? And right now, like it's your car collection, right? And to, to decide like where is that going? What is the, do I want to take it somewhere? Um, do I want to build something? And, and really just be honest because not everybody has to build something. But if you wanted to do that, to really believe to the core of your being that you have time because you've, you've been told a cultural narrative since the time that you were a kid that life is essentially over when you get to 70. But you don't act like that. You don't live like that. Uh, you and your wife like seem really into each other. It's fucking beautiful. Like they're really like into each other. Super cool to see. So know that you have the time to do the things that you want to do and, and go for it. So it's about building skills, right? So whatever it is that you want to do, the only thing I can promise you is there's a gap in skill set between who you are today and who you need to be to accomplish that thing. Um, and so if it's like, you know me, right? So if I were you, I'd say I want to win the Riddler. And if you guys know what the Riddler Award is, so my dad once took me to a car show where a former winner of the Riddler Award was there. I don't like cars, but I was like, Jesus, like it was stunning. It was a work of art and that's how I looked at it, right? It was a work of art, it was true beauty. So it's like the highest award you can win in classic car restoration. So I'm thinking I've got 30 years, I could easily do that. So whether it's I need to acquire resources or convince other people to give me their resources or to just work on a team that's trying to win the Riddler, like all of this is a possibility. So it just comes down to what you want, but um, believe that you have the time, believe that you can acquire the skills and then set about relentlessly doing so. And that applies to every buddy. truth. Nice. We've like broken 63 viewers, which that's is amazing. like peak for us. That is. So that's so, a lot of sharing, thanks, man. Guys. Mad respect, guys. Thank you so much. And that that just, you can't imagine, that is the exact um, reward that, that we want for all of this content is just to share it, get it out to more people, and then we live or die by whether we actually help people do something. So um, thank you guys so much. It means a lot. And if you're just joining us, by the way, this is something we do every week. This is our live Facebook Q&A. Uh, today it's family day, so I have my children with me uh, who are the ones making the noise. Um, Not bonsai, though. 
<laughs> he actually did just now, but he, so his sister has taught him very, very bad habits. He used to be Terrible practically habits. a monk. Like yeah. he, he had like taken so a vow like of silence. Meditative. He would just like walk around. Yeah. And but sit. she just, she is so barky. She's and like I aggressive. honestly, when we got her, I thought, cause, cause Hey, he's a chihuahua, right? Everyone thinks, oh, he should be yappy. No, we put the hammer down on that shit. He does not bark. And then we got her and I thought, I've had two chihuahuas. Neither were obscenely yeah. barky. I got this. We're good. And she has broken my will to like, <laughs> like she's broken my will. So that's so funny because I feel like that's what happens like with parents and their youngest kids. They like, eventually they're just like, I just, I can't. Like the other ones have just taken it out of me. That's a huge part of it. But I, I put the energy in. I put... Oh, let me be real. I put two or three times more energy into getting her to be quiet than I did Mm. into these two. And she, it's almost pathological for her. She, cause (laughs) you've seen her do it right. Where you're, you tell her to be quiet. And so she'll do this. Like she just, she can't help herself. She cannot help herself. It's like, and even though she knows like that, I'm going to dog whisper, I'm going to put her on her back. I'm going to make her lay there. She can't stop. She can't. So I, kn- I think I know what the answer is. And it would be to, um, for three weeks, I couldn't do anything but train her. And I think that would work because mm-hmm. I certainly don't believe it's, um, you know, insurmountable. Yeah. But it would take three weeks worth of effort for me to truly make it a habit in her to not bark. And we'd have to do like crazy scenarios where, you know, we've got the clicker and we've got cars driving by and people running around the house. And, <laughs> you know, you just have to, we'd have to go all Everything's in. super crazy. Because for a minute, I thought Christopher was going to, Dr. Finesse with his clicker oh, was, was going to be like the one. She's still like low-key kind of like really really good around that's also her bay so take that for what it's worth (laughs) all right so this next question comes from joshua um so this weekend he's going to see a mentor that reached that he reached out to wicked at the epcot international arts festival nice and he's allowing me to help him with his table he does similar 3d artwork that i do too at a much higher level I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what to look for and ask for. Ask him when I'm there. um, So what what else would you look for and ask for in a mentor? Dude, go highly tactical on this one. Highly tactical. Like what are the the things that he does to keep his costs down? What are the things that he does to market? What are the things that he does to create? Like if he's creating things that are better than yours, like what are the nuanced differences that allow him to do that? And just really, really get literal, get tactical, get like, show me how to do this. How do you hold your knife? How do you cut this? How do you glue things together? Um, And that would be phase one for me would be all about sort of the tactical art stuff. Phase two would be about marketing. But for now, just like nail down the the how to. And Joshua, I'm begging you, man, you're going to have to leave an impression on this guy. So there's going to be two things you need to do. One, you have to just be willing to bust your ass. Like think of all the things that are shitty that he doesn't want to do. Carrying stuff, running around, getting food, do all of that. You'll be shocked at how much of an impression you can make on somebody just by going, hey, I think I've identified like the lamest things and I want to do all of those, okay? That makes a huge impression on people and this is something people fail to do because people don't like to work hard. But I'm going to take all the lame things, I'm going to do them and then do them with excellence. So if he wants a, a hot dog with like half has ketchup and the other half has mustard but he wants relish on the whole thing, like get that shit right. <laughs> I, and truly, truly, like you will be shocked, like what 
where that embeds you in somebody's mind because they feel taken care of, they feel heard, and they feel like you hustle and you do that shit. It is, it is the like most ninja psychological tool that I can give you right now, do that. And then, then you hit them with the, and the exchange I'm looking for is knowledge and connections, that's it. And so then if you're doing that and you're delivering at the highest level, carrying his stuff around, getting things he needs, being attentive, helping, then when you have like 20 questions you want him to go through, he'll go through all 20 because you fucking hustled and you removed pain points. So you brought real value, right? It's about mm -hmm. bringing real value. It's not about extracting value, okay? You can yeah. extract the value after you've given, 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 given. Because then he'll actually reciprocate by really giving you what you want. And then you've got to know when to leave him the fuck alone. That's the truth. That's you got true. to know when to back off and, and let him do what he's doing. Ebbs and flows. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and a reminder, guys, if you're in the Atlanta area, I'm hosting our first like impactivist on the road nice. meetup. So check it out. It's on the Facebook page. Um, there's an event invite in there for everyone. All right, so this next question comes from Jay. Um, from your interview with Sean this week, what was your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway on Sean, um, I, what I really, really respected about Sean is that he, he does a few things. One, he uses pressure to show up, which I think is really, really interesting. So he's learned mentally how to deal with that. And then he uses competition to um, elevate his practice. And the way that he illustrated that, which wasn't what I was expecting, because you'd expect it to be a snowboarding story, it was actually when he was learning to play guitar and how he wanted to tap into competitiveness because his brother was learning guitar at the same time. There were a couple other kids in the neighborhood that were learning guitar. And he said, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to shut the door in my bedroom and I'm going to learn this stuff. And he just, because of snowboarding and skateboarding, he has this knack of breaking things down into the, the like incremental pieces that mm -hmm. he needs to really get good at something. So like up picking was hard for him. And so he would, you know, he's always on flights and instead of making excuses and saying, well, I would learn guitar, but I'm on flights and I can't have the guitar in my lap. He just kept a pick with him and he would pick the seam of his jeans in the same pattern that he would the guitar to teach himself how to up pick while he was listening to the kind of music that he wanted to play. So I just thought, wow, that's so smart. But like for him, he needed that competition to like tap into the motivation in order to push and keep going. And he was willing to play the long game because he knew he wasn't going to be in a band in a year or five years. He's going to be in a band in 10 years. And so he just put in the work. And then, of course, of all the people that picked up guitar, he's the only one that ends up in a band on tour with 30 Seconds to Mars, Killing which it. is, you know, certainly at the time he went on tour was one of the biggest bands on the planet. I would still say it's pretty damn big. So um, just super, super smart. Somebody who understands how to trigger his own mentality to get the results from himself that he wants. And then how he deals with failure. But. We'll move on to the next <laughs> You're like, okay. Um, well, I mean, it's super true about the whole like pressure and competition and like that dichotomy for some people it, like mm. elevates them and some people it breaks them. Yeah, well said. Yeah. I agree. Um, so this one comes from KJ. Tom, who is your favorite superhero and what was the most impactful moment in comic book history for you personally? And how do comic books fit into modern day mythology? So if you'll grant me that 
Neo was briefly in a comic, then um, <laughs> I will say uh, Neo is my favorite comic book um, character. But even I don't really think of him as a true comic book character. So I'll go with Batman or Iron Man. Those two sort of compete. I like Iron Man because he's so actively involved in his business and he's an engineer, so he's building things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing that's always bothered me a little bit about Batman is that he's more or less... he. He has the resources financially, but he's just sort of throwing them at the problem, um, which, while is a great strategy, um, is not as inspiring as Iron Man, where he's got both, right? So he has the resources, um, but he also has the engineering skills to really like lock himself in a room, do the deep work, think about the things that he's trying to create and then mm-hmm. actually build them. Um, I really, really love that. And and he also, because he steps forward and says, this is who I am, he's able to continue running his company. And, and that's obviously just as far as lining things up personally in my own life. Um, I find that that great. And then I love, love the arc of Iron Man. So Batman's really driven by the sickness, right? He's driven by yeah. the guilt that he has over the death of his parents. Um, whereas Iron Man used to be a tool. Uh, and so he wants to stop being a bit of a douche and not be the playboy anymore and really connect with something bigger than himself and see how he can help people. And so he just has a really awesome arc because it happens as an adult. Um, whereas Batman really the transformation that he goes through is, you know, when he sees his parents killed in front of him. Um, so what's the, um, the thing in comic lore that I've been most, um, impressed with? What Impactful. Was the, um, I, I can only give you a cheap answer. I've not thought a lot about that. Um, because I think from, okay, well, no, here, the answer that now springs to mind is, I guess, vamped, uh, long enough is DMZ. (laughs) DMZ rocked me and that one still freaks me out. I think the DMZ is super, super relevant. Um, I'm going to be, um, trying to move some chess pieces on the board with the DMZ. I'll leave it at that for now. Uh, but if anybody has connections to any, um, anybody that's involved in the DMZ, now would be the time to put that forth. Uh, yeah, that would be amazing. Um, and I think Cindy has a message really yeah, fast. Yeah, so congrats to Yingxi Quadris. Sorry if I busted your name. Um, you just won our <laughs> our share giveaway. Word. Thank you, Yingxi. Dope name, by the way. Um, and then the third component of that was um, what's... Uh, so... And how oh, does it fit in modern day mythology? Yeah, so right now it has become a breeding ground for films, which is sort of the, in my mind, the ultimate um, embodiment of mythology. My problem with mythology in general is because we all know that the myths aren't real, that we don't, uh, we turn a blind eye to the fact that they actually offer a manual for how to live. And then for the people that do take them seriously, um, they're not executing and they're not showing the world that see this is real. There aren't enough people saying, um, I, you know, encountered this idea in a comic book. I encountered this idea in a movie. Um, and then it was reinforced by a mentor. And then I learned how to run a business and here I've created this, you know, medical device. And now it's actually helping people. Like we need to show more people that lineage. Um, and that used to be the thing, right? So you're a hunter. Why are you so good at hunting? Because I've tapped into, you know, my spirit animal and that's made me strong and, you know, and, and so because people believed it, like that became, okay, you wanted to commune, right? You wanted to have that relationship with the spirit animal. You wanted to show the respect to the animal that you were hunting. You wanted to really contribute to the ritual, to the community. And it just was like the glue that bonded everybody together because they believed it was real. 
and the rituals then really carried meaning in people's lives. And now we don't have that. And so we get, um, you know, eternal adolescence where people just, they're not crossing from one stage of their life to the next. And I believe that this unique moment that we're living in where we have um, the entertainment for entertainment's sake stuff, we can marry it to um, merchandising that reinforces the ideology. So whether it's um, you put uh, your Batman socks on whenever you go into an important meeting, not saying I do, but I'm not <laughs> I saying Batman I don't. <laughs> um, you know your your Rebel Alliance necklace. You know all that stuff to just reinforce the the ideology in your own mind, and then we can talk about it as a community and see more and more people who are successful bringing this stuff in. And it's it's really interesting because you know you look at what Elon Musk is doing, and he obviously grew up in that era. Um, and he has so many references planted into his companies, but he does them all tongue in cheek. And I love that. And I'm so glad that he's doing that because it elevates the fun side of all of that and shows how you can, you know, you don't have to lose that to execute at the highest levels. But I'd love to see um, more people that can also do it, you know, not overly serious. I'm not looking for overwrought dramatization here, but, you know, to say like, hey, this, um, this thing that means something to me, like, uh, Jesus, Fiverr made vehicles, you know, to have one called the Ebuchadnezzar, you know, it's like, so that you begin to see like how my mindset has been pieced together. I dig it. I dig it. So this next one comes from Jean-Pierre P. Uh, <laughs> very, very French of him. So his question is, which situations or encounters slash events made you the man that you are today and why? Wow. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, largely because it's on my mind, but also because I really do consider this um, a, a watershed moment. Um, my dad convincing me to read um, was huge. Failing in film school was huge. Um, meeting my wife was huge. Uh, she's just changed so many things about my mentality. Um, really, I mean, this is sort of the gestalt reading. Uh, and if you're going to force me to break it down, the power of myth... Um, there have been movies that changed me. The Matrix um, had a huge impact on me. Um, the notion of Jedi's had a big impact on me. Um, what's another one that's? Oh, uh, when we were at Awareness Technologies, quitting that that like changed everything. It ended up I ended up not quitting, but I went in. I quit. Did the whole thing. Um, they, you know, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in, uh, <laughs> we go back, but we end up selling that company and starting quest. Um, so quitting really was the catalyst that led to that. And that has changed everything about my life. Um, and then leaving quest and starting impact theory. Like those are, I mean, that's a thumbnail sketch. And if I really sat down and, you know, like thought about it, I'm sure it there's more, and I'm yeah. sure there's more like hurtful moments, which tend to really be. Um, yeah. While they really sting at first, if you look for the lesson in there, uh, moments of inadequacy where I really, where it wasn't that I just didn't feel good enough, I actually wasn't good enough. Yeah. Um, and so having to come face to face with that and develop the skills and get better, um, yeah, that as a thumbnail sketch, that gets you there. Yeah, super powerful. Oh, my mom forcing me to leave the nest, which I, yeah, I would have stayed at home. I, I, <laughs> I almost chickened out of leaving for college. Really? Yeah. My mom was like, I not, not having it. All packed up fast enough. Yeah. No, um, I went through something different. So this one, speaking of Lisa, so this one comes from Carrie. She loved the episode that you guys did for Valentine's Day. Nice. So if you haven't checked it out, it's a great episode all about relationships. Um, so thank you for that. 
Um, so you guys talked about your selfish time. Why do you call it selfish time? And are you familiar with the power of when quiz, which was created by sleep doctor, Dr. Dr. Michael Brewis? I'm not familiar with the when quiz, um, at all. Why do we call it selfish time? Because it is selfish time. And I like to call things what they are and not let words have power over you. Um, so to me, being selfish is not negative. Like if you're, if the cultural spin on the word selfish is um, keeping people from thinking that they, you know, should have time to themselves like mothers. Mothers fall prey to that shit all the time. And they think that they live for their kids. You, you are not a vehicle to make sure that your kids live, right? That's one of your roles, but that shouldn't be the only thing that having kids do to you is make you like a servant to them. So people need to carve out time for themselves. And, and what makes me a little sad is the only way people can justify it is they go, well, I'm going to carve out this time for myself because if I don't take care of myself first, then I can't take care of them. But you're still like, all you're still focused on is taking care of them. So at some point you just have to say, I am a person. I am distinct and unique. I have desires, wants, value as an individual, and I'm going to explore them. Period. Not I'm going to explore them and that makes things better for other people. I'm going to explore them because I fucking want to. And that's that. And then from that position, you can't, because look, I'm saying that as the guy who's totally embraced being codependent with my wife. Like I want my universe inextricably intertwined with hers. And I mm -hmm. want to share a dream and I want to make that dream, uh, the dream of two voices coming together. And that means that yes, it is not like exactly what I would do if I was on my own. It's not exactly what Lisa would do if she were on her own. But in that like coming together, like we find so much joy and comfort and beauty and all of that, that yeah, it's like, love it. Um, but at the same time, I am an individual and there are gonna be times where I don't wanna do what she wants to do. And so it's very easy to keep the balance by carving out some time to be selfish. And my wife and I are both pleasers. So some of this came up from the saying we used to call selfish desire, or we still do, um, where, cause this is how it would go. Cindy, what do you wanna have for lunch? I don't know, whatever you want. No, 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 but like, what are you feeling? And so you start thinking, Hmm, well, I really want pizza, but I know he was saying like that pizza kind of upset his stomach. So he probably doesn't want pizza, right? Jesus, like how much time <laughs> we'll lose doing that where everyone's trying to guess what the other person wants. Because maybe that day, secretly, I was feeling pizza too. So we just started this saying, we have a rule. You start with selfish desire. It doesn't mean we're going to do your selfish desire, but at least now we know what the other person wants. So selfish yeah. desire, what do you want to do? I want to um, lay outside and eat pizza all day. Okay, well, I want to go outside too, so that's rad. So why don't we order you pizza and um, I'll make something here, I don't care, or I'll order something too for delivery. And now it's like we know and then we try to find that common thing and, mm -hmm. you know, or yeah, just space it out over the day. I could go on and on about selfish desire, but being selfish to me is not a bad thing. It's critical. It is. I mean, there's not more to add to that. Totally. All right, so this one comes from Ian. You've said that employee-minded people use obstacles as excuses while entrepreneurs find a way around them. You've also said you can you get pissed when you hit a roadblock. Please expand upon the nuances and possible dangers of using anger as fuel. Um, Always with the bomb questions. Yeah, these are dope. So I there is no danger in using anger as a motivation. There is a danger in 
ever using any motivation as your sole motivation. And I think it always comes down to the push pull. So anger, I'll throw into the 10 or 20% camp. You probably shouldn't spend more than 10 or 20% of your time focusing on the negativity, the aggression, the, um, the anger, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, but it's there and it's a powerful human emotion and you can use it to really take action. I just think that, um, like anything, in fact, I was talking to Jamie wheel, we had him on the show and I was saying, okay, if people, um, you know, so many people that use psychedelic drugs, um, like the studies are doing with MDMA and how effective it is at reducing post-traumatic stress disorder. And so why don't people just use it all the time? And, um, he didn't really answer it, but in truth, like I kind of know the answer and the answer is for whatever reason, a huge part of the human condition is, um, things work in moderation. And when you go overboard, they tend to have problems. So, um, anger very much falls into that camp. And quite frankly, so does gratitude. Oh God, are we going to get death threats? Like even that there's a point at which it becomes pathological and it's not useful anymore. So you've really got to understand the push pull of knowing when to be pissed, knowing when to be disappointed in yourself, knowing when that you're really not good enough. You're not enough. You need to work harder. You need to grind it out and push forward and all that. But if you're not taking a massive amount of time to realize you are good enough, exactly as you are, you don't need to do anything more that there are beautiful things in this world right now from how good it feels to take a deep breath to Jared's lovely new haircut, right? <laughs> to be, to just be like, and, but like really for a second, I knew that would get a laugh, but it's like, just for a second, think about how amazing it is that there's a human being that has trained themselves to cut hair that you can go to. Yes. And for a relatively small amount of money, they will do it for you. And you look fucking sharp. Yep. Right. It's specialization. And so like specialization, if you guys have read the book, The Rational Optimist by Matt Ridley, he talks about that specialization is one of the things that have allowed to develop the culture that we have and that people trying to do everything for themselves is it just isn't a it's scalable endeavor. Exactly. So to be able to reflect on something sort of so fundamental to the human condition and really see the beauty and like be grateful for that is awesome. But if you just sit around all day and you're like, I'm so grateful for the dirt and for the air and for smiles and like, you, you will be taken advantage of by the world. The world will eat you alive, right? And as somebody who's not trying to be a monk, like I'm not trying, I studied Buddhism. I even went pretty hard on it for a while. I'm not trying to be a Buddhist, man. I'm not trying to be a Buddhist. And let me, and the, and here, let me say why I'm not trying to be a Buddhist. Because part of their goal is to detach from earthly pursuits. I'm not trying to detach from earthly pursuits. Like right. we seem so clearly wired. Like I don't care how, good of a monk, how like enlightened you are. Enlightenment, like anything, is not a permanent state, mm. right? You will never be just like even keel forever. You're always gonna have moments where like, I'm enlightened, oh man, I feel like an ass. Oh my God, I'm enlightened again, right? So yeah. it's like, it's gonna be this sort of ebb and flow. So since I know you can't get rid of that and you're gonna go through this anyway, you might as well just like go all in and see how far you can push this human experience. So that's my thing. I like it. All right, so congratulations to Ben. You're our winner for a Impact Theory t-shirt. Boom, did we give one away yesterday or is this the first one? Yeah, no, we gave one away yesterday. Okay, so this is Tina. number two. So this is number two. Nice, congratulations, so, Ben. You, know, you are now in a very small club, my friend. Yep, the smallest club. Favorite episode was Mel Robbins. Nice, Yeah. good answer. Mel Robbins that. was so dope. Okay. She was. Um. So this question also comes from Jean-Pierre. How can you set an unshakable mind and will that will take action? And how do you find your true calling? All right. So true calling is harder. So let's start there. Um, 
the the problem with saying that something is a calling is it makes it sound like it's external and it's coming to you and you have to just like find that space in your house where you're getting mm-hmm. good enough reception to receive it. Um, and that's not how it works. So uh, a calling really is is a, a religious way, if I'm honest, of saying that you've developed uh, an interest into a passion and it feels so good and you're getting so good at it and it lines up with the goals that over time you have sort of created for yourself either unintentionally or intentionally. And so everything just comes into alignment. So for instance, let's look at my true calling. Literally just today, um, Carl Lenore referred to um, impact theory as my true calling. And here's why, while I'm not a big fan of those words, here's why, if you're going to use those words, this is my true calling. So uh, my first love has always been film. Um, film maybe because of the way that I'm wired. Like maybe it's just that I have an overdeveloped mirror neuron system. And so when I watch people on screen, I'm so moved and transported that they truly take over my brain chemistry. So for me, life is like this dynamic roller coaster ride. And sometimes it's thrilling and terrifying and deep love. And like, I'm going on all of those rides. Right. And, um, they've actually done studies on this. If you put a camera facing back at the audience, some percentage of them actually move their faces to match the faces of the people on screen. And you do that because you're, when you match the physicality of somebody, you can literally feel what they're feeling. Like literally. Okay. Not like, Hey, I'm imagining what you're feeling it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's me. Like when I'm watching a movie, I'll find myself all like, like totally contorted. This will be like, you need to let go (laughs) of my hand. Cause I'm like, you know, if it's like getting really tense or whatever, like I'm so embodying what's happening. So maybe because of that, that's why I fell in, in love with film so hard. Yeah. Then I go to film school. I, and as a kid, as a child of the 80s, I was obsessed with getting rich, obsessed. And so on the one hand, I wanted to be sort of the poet filmmaker. And on the other hand, I wanted to get rich. Now, if I'm honest, I never would have gone into film if you couldn't get rich. That's the truth. Okay, that's, I mean, that's valid. So I went into film because it was this beautiful thing that like I loved movies so much and like they were just so powerful to me and it was this narrative of how you can get wealthy. So I was like, fantastic. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Also just the coming to LA and it was like this bigger than life city and Hollywood and all that. So boom, I do, I'm pursuing all that. It all makes sense. And then in everybody else's mind, that goes away, right? And then I become a business guy and I do this like hard right and now I'm doing something totally unrelated. But for me, it was always still tapping into those things. So the thing that I discovered in filmmaking was psychology. I had to understand people. Physiology, I had to understand how physically they were interacting with the stimulus that I was giving them so that I could maximize its impact, um, which falls into then marketing because marketing Mm -hmm. is psychology and you have to understand how people are engaging with it. The physiology began to bleed into understanding my own body and being able to take control of my mind. So like all of the underlying obsessions, wealth creation, all of them were still there. So for me, it felt totally natural to go down the path of business. So now you have these two things which people either know me as the filmmaker or they know me as the business guy. Mm-hmm. The reason that impact theory seems like the answer to my true calling is because it's both of those together. Yeah. So that's that's what a true calling looks like, right? It's your skill set, mm-hmm. the things that you're obsessed with, and the things that you really are just hell-bent to gain mastery in that you want the neurochemical response. Because a big part of this is also um, I love helping other people. 
I get a real chemical reward from seeing other people succeed. Maybe going back to the mirror neurons again, I just, I get a lot of pleasure from that. So if you want to find your true calling, it's about taking those overlapping areas of interest, getting good at them, skill acquisition, gaining mastery in that area, and then seeing if you still enjoy it. And if you do, you keep going. And if you don't, you pivot, you change, you move until you find those areas of overlapping interest where you can really develop it into this engine of passion. That's a true calling, okay? And then make it express itself in a way that's self-sustaining. Um, and then the first part of the question, which was easier, but now I have forgotten, Unshakable mind. Unshakable mind. action. Perfect. So um, that comes down to identity. So you need to identify, you need to create the identity within yourself that you are that type of person. Um, and it really, it starts this simple. And I wonder sometimes if, if people think that I'm leaving something out, but I'm not. It's just as simple. You start by saying, I am that type of person. I am a person with an unshakable mind. I am a person who takes action every morning. You start saying that to yourself. You start telling anybody else who will listen. And then you start actually acting in accordance with it because otherwise you're just lying. So in order to avoid that discrepancy between who you say you are and how you're acting, you have to start acting in accordance with your identity or admit that you're not that type of person. Mm -hmm. And I find that is so hard to admit that you're a type of person that you view as less. Like to say, I am lazy, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to do that. It doesn't feel good for most people. And so it makes them start taking those first steps into just being congruent with who they say they are. But it's all about identity. Way to start. All right. This one comes from Jay. So he says that he's heard you talk about your struggles with reading and you display some of the qualities of a person who's dyslexic. Are you dyslexic? No. No, I kind of wish I was. So I'm reading this. Uh, I think it's Disrupt Yourself. He, Jay Samet yeah. is also dyslexic. And he talked about that. And he said that what they're learning now is people who are dyslexic, while they have a hard time reading, they actually have a really easy time at seeing a problem as a holistic puzzle. Um, instead of getting myopically focused on any one thing and that whatever wiring it is that makes you dyslexic also seems to have these advantages. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that is something that I have struggled with. So like many people struggle to um, read, but then have an easy time with the, seeing it as this holistic puzzle from a better vantage point. I have not had a hard time reading, but I struggle to see things from the holistic viewpoint, which is why I'm just now getting to impact theory. I couldn't have conceived of this. 10 years mm -hmm. ago, even though all the pieces were floating around in my mind yeah. and I couldn't fucking shake them. And when, um, Zuda comics came out and I was heartbroken that somebody had beat me to it, but what had they beaten me to? Like, I didn't fully understand right. like how to execute against it as a business. Mm -hmm. So it's taken me a long time to be able to get that perspective, to look back and see, okay, this is how all the pieces fit together. This is why we need merchandising. This is why we have to get people to think of merchandising differently. This is yeah, yeah, on and on. Hmm. So, interesting. I'm not dyslexic. All right. So this one comes from Amber Phelps. Um, how do you go get beyond the fear of not having the safety of having a real job, particularly if your upbringing anchors you to that safety? Yeah, I think to have a real job, have safety. I love that. So I'm all for safety and I want to make sure and I know that I'll be telling this story until the day um, that I die. But, you know, when we went from awareness tech to quest, um, we kept awareness tech going until we knew the quest was had a market. And so I think that doing that is super smart and don't put yourself into an uncomfortable situation and make this a misery. You know, it, it's going to be enough that it's going to take a lot of hard work and that you're going to be doing that hard work on top of your other job, you know? Um, but 50% of your waking hours are free. 
So you spend 50% of your waking hours at work, but the, the other 50 are there for you to spend how you want. And if what you want to do with that time is hang out with your family and watch TV, then just own it and just hang out with your family and watch TV and love it and find the gratitude in that and cuddle extra hard and, you know, really engage with what your kids are doing or whatever. Um, it's where the, the problem comes in is when people think they should want something that they don't actually want. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell employees, look, if what you want is an easy, stress-free life, that's awesome. Like that's rat Own that, right? own that just don't put yourself on a track to like you know be a rocket ship to the moon to try to carve a path through the company and you know because you'd get these guys who secretly just wanted a chill life and they would come and say like i want your job in five years you know it's like like, hey (laughs) full respect like i I love i love it when people say that to me but the problem is that uh, the first words out of my mouth are don't say that to me because then i put you in a different box in my mind and now i'm going to hold you to my standard and i'm just going to externalize my internal monologue and you are going to immediately think I'm a jerk. But that's how I push myself. So it's like you, you need to be in alignment with what you really want. So you have, to, you have to identify that. Yeah, and I feel like that starts with like looking inward and figuring out what truly drives you and like what pieces that you need to put together in your life that make sense for you. 100%. Yeah, so this next one comes from John Smith. Um, so Tom, I'm thinking of leaving my secure job with a great pension and I want to go into teaching, but I still want to be more secure in what I want to do. Any Uh, suggestions? Man, you're a hardcore mofo. Teaching is brutally, brutally difficult. Um, the good news is that there is a massive shortage of great teachers. So it'd be very easy for you to get something part-time somewhere, even if at an experimental school or something, just to make sure that you really like it. Um, or, yeah, depending on what it is you like about teaching, you start a web channel and see if people take to your messaging. You could be writing medium articles. There's a lot of low risk ways um, to really put your educational stuff out into the universe and see how people respond to it. Um, so I would do those. You know, if you've got a comfortable job, if you've got something that's paying the bills, and the other thing is um, a risk, do them both at the same time. Test it, test it. Don't be afraid to test it. All right, so we're getting the signal. Except, actually, I want to ask this one last question. All right, so this is our last one. All right, so this comes from Shikar, which, ironically, we were just talking about someone coming up to you wanting to be you in five years. So, Tom, I'd actually like to become you in five years in terms of work ethic, mostly. Could you offer advice on how to get there? Maybe a concise roadmap on landmarks? How, how to know that I'm making progress because there's always setbacks, and I think... Some long-term perspective would help with that. Yeah, so I'm going to give you the answer that you're not expecting, but that is exactly what you need to hear. Um, You're going to be me tonight in terms of work ethic because that is immediate. That has everything to do with just changing your identity. So you need to say that I have Tom Bilyeu's work ethic, right? And then hopefully you're going to try to beat me, but we'll set the bar nice and low. I have Tom Bilyeu's work ethic. And you're going to hold yourself to that standard. You're going to tell yourself that over and over and over. And you're going to tell anybody else who will listen over and over and over. Because if there's one thing you can see in my content, it's my work ethic. So you will literally every day have something nice and easy to ping yourself against. Did you get up as early as I got up? Did you go to bed as early as I went to bed? Did you work? My whole thing is I'm either working out or working from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed Monday through Monday through Friday or Sunday through Friday night, depending on how you want to think of it. Um, So them's is the, you know, that's the drill. Like jump in and let's do it. There's nothing standing between you and work ethic. 
nothing. That's a decision. Now, there are micro things that you can do. Uh, make yourself micro promises and then meet them um, if you're going to take the slower road um, on that. And, and we can certainly go into more detail on that. But since you said you want to be me work ethic wise, that starts tonight, right Start now. It. Let's do it. Start it. Yes. All right. All right. So that's so it for today. Guys, it. thank you so much for joining us. Love doing these Q&As. Love hearing what's on your mind. It means everything to us to engage. If you're not already following me, by the way, on IG, get over to Instagram. Follow me at Tom Bilyeu. I do really intimate, um, like just answering questions, calling out names, real-time stuff on IG. It's very different than what we're doing here on Facebook. So go over there and check it out if that sounds interesting. And it looks like Jared has a message for you. Sure. There it is. Oh, thanks for joining. Thanks for so joining sweet. us. All right, guys, it's a weekly show. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Bye, everyone. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.